0: Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, the 17th chapter. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons, and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, "What does he? Why does he? Why does this pretentious philosopher debate with him?" Some said. Others said, "He seems to be a proclaimer of for for foreign divinities." This is what this was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. Pagus and asked him May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting it sounds rather strange to us so we would like to have what it means Now all the Athenians and foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said Athenians I see how extremely spiritual you are in every way for As I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with an inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown. This I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of the heaven and earth. Does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is served by human hands. As though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life, breath, and all things. For one ancestor, he made all peoples to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the the times for their existence and the boundaries of places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps fumble out of him and find him. Though indeed, he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move, and have our being, as even some of our own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to the Lord.
1: No. Is it okay? I got a red. If it dies in the middle, let me know because I have a little red light. So in the story of salvation, who God welcomes to salvation really matters. It really matters to me. I want to know who's invited to this salvation. Because if it's only the right people, if it's only the people who do the right thing all the time, then I'm pretty worried. If it's only people who are good and blameless and compassionate, and justice-loving, and faithful all the time, then I'm in trouble. Because I am not those things all the time. Sometimes I'm none of those things. Sometimes I'm just, you know, I move too fast, and, and I'm brusque, and I'm too direct, and people get hurt, and sometimes I spend way too much attention to this, and not enough attention to the human beings right in front of me and God present with me right in the moment. So I really want to know who's invited. Do you have to be all the goodness or not? Much of the book of Acts is about this question. Who is invited to salvation? Who is salvation for? And that's why these readings about Gentiles matter. Because the Gentiles did not do religion right. They didn't follow the law. They didn't follow kosher. They weren't circumcised. And so when God welcomes Gentiles, that means that we are included. And God welcomes us in all of our brokenness and messed upness. So God welcoming the Gentiles matters. Last week, we heard about Peter, the leader of the church, welcoming Cornelius, a Gentile, a Roman commander. We also heard how basically it took an act of God to get Peter to go to Cornelius. Well, not so with Paul, as Bob shared with us. Now, Paul, um, you know, he did nothing halfway Everything about Paul was not 100%. It was 200%. I mean, he was intense. He talks about himself in his younger years. He said, I was blameless. I followed the law perfectly. I did all the things you were supposed to do. I was a Pharisee. As a Pharisee, he started persecuting Christians, and he was um, energetic about it. It says that Paul ravaged the church dragging off men and women and committing them to prison, and then had a conversion experience, literally knocked off his horse, struck blind, because I think you'd have to do that with someone quite that intense, walked to Damascus. Hands were laid on him by Christian people, and his sight was healed. And he took all of that intensity against Christians and became that intense for Christ. And we are told in Acts, immediately, he began to proclaim Jesus as the Son of God. Paul was a 200% kind of guy. Very enthusiastic. Very energetic. And and he seems kind of driven. To be honest, it appears that he enjoyed confrontation because he went looking for it a lot. I wonder if the other Christians thought to themselves, That is so fabulous how Paul, you know, fights on our behalf. I hope he never aims it at me. (laughs) Because sometimes he did. And this Paul, who was so intense, who went through this amazing conversion, he went on to write the book of the New Testament He went around planting churches all over the Mediterranean and writing them letters. Those are our scriptures, the letters to the Romans, the letter to the Corinthians, the letter to the Galatians, to the Ephesians, to the Philippians. Those are Paul's writings. So God worked through him, through all of that intensity. God delivered the good news to folks. Many painters have been inspired by... By St. Paul. This is an image uh, painted by El Greco in the 1600s, a Spanish painter um, called St. Paul. Now, of course, in the 1600s, nobody was worried about historical accuracy. When I look at this painting, I see Paul with his mouth shut, so clearly not historically accurate. And yet there is something in art that speaks to us beyond words. With Paul's intensity, it is no surprise to me to hear that he argued and debated with people. It is no surprise to me (laughs) that in the story of Acts, when you read the whole book, he kind of goes through friends. You know, first there was Barabbas, and then there was Silas, and then there was Timothy. It's hard to be around a person quite that intense. And it's no surprise that he went to Athens. Athens was the place, the Gentile Greek place. It's the place where people argued and debated for fun, we are told, great place for confrontation. So what surprises me about Paul is that at the beginning of his sermon, he starts with, I see how extremely spiritual you are in every way. I see how extremely spiritual you are in every way. Those Athenians were not following Jesus. They were doing religion wrong. So I sort of expect Paul to give them some fire and brimstone, and instead he names the goodness he sees in them, the holiness that he sees in them. And because of that, I have to assume that he walked through the city He walked through the city listening to people, looking closely at their shrines and their idols and their altars and coming to understand them, coming to understand their culture and their beliefs and their worries and their virtues. Paul listened and saw what was good in them. So he didn't begin his argument He didn't begin with argument. He began with approaching and with listening and with understanding, maybe cherishing those folks that he came to know that he could say, I see you are extremely spiritual in every way. And then he talks about this altar, this altar to an unknown God. It was probably put up during the last plague in Athens. Athens was a seaport. And plagues arrived regularly. We've all heard of the Black Death, the great plague of Europe at the Middle Ages. Um, That plague hit Athens. The Black Death had a mortality rate of about 50%. We've all just gone through a worldwide pandemic. COVID at its height had a mortality rate of about 5%. Ebola is about 50%, terrifying. Plagues that had you know, 50% mortality were coming into Athens. And the people were terrified. And they put up an altar praying to any God who could help them, even an unknown God. And they had gotten through the plague. Paul noticed that God had already showed up and he saw that the Athenians were spiritual, he saw that God was already there, that they were already praying to God. So he recognized in his speech that he was not bringing Jesus to the Athenians, but that Jesus was already there. And as he was talking about Jesus, he was naming what was already there as he had those debates in the synagogues, and in the marketplace, and at the Areopagus. The Areopagus is this, this rock outcropping. Um, it's northwest of the Acropolis. This is actually a photo taken from the Acropolis to the Archaeopagus. The Acropolis is where the Parthenon is. Um, the, Ar- the Areopagus is where the government councils would meet, and they would make decisions. This is where judicial courts were held, and people were tried and convicted of crimes. And it is where people went to debate. And this, today, is a bronze inscription of Paul's sermon that he gave at the Areopagus on the Areopagus. This is on my field trip list right here. (laughs) So when Paul was giving this sermon, he wasn't convincing people about Jesus Jesus was, he wasn't convincing them that Jesus was better than the gods that they followed. He wasn't convincing them that Jesus was the better alternative of various lifestyles. He was observing that God was already there and that they were already following God. But they didn't have the whole story. It was unknown. And Paul said, let me tell you the rest of the story. And so that altar that you Athenians built to an unknown God, that God is the the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who came to walk among us as Jesus the Christ, who was crucified, died, and rose again, conquered death. And God doesn't live in idols or in shrines, but this is the God of the heavens and of the earth the God who gives life, the God who gave you your life, put breath in your body. And Paul says, I love this part. Paul doesn't tell them how wrong their life is for not being Christian already. Paul names this as part of God's plan. He said this is God's plan to appoint people's and times and places, so that we search for God. He said that to the Athenians. God is still doing the same today. God appoints us to our places and to our times and to our doubts and to our worries so that we search for God. So that we search for the one who created us. And just like Cornelius and Peter, there was um, a model of evangelism. It started with spiritual experience. Remember, Peter and Cornelius had spiritual experience. The Athenians and Paul both had spiritual experiences. And then the one who knows Jesus extends hospitality. For Paul, it was going to the Athenians and then opening himself up to who they were, to listening closely to them. And then there is the sharing. This is what happened to me. Tell me what happened to you. And this morning we get to hear Tammy share with us what happened to her. So how long have you been a member of this church? Uh, Twelve years. Twelve years. You knew that was going to be asked, so you looked it up? Oh, no, I remember. I- Do you really? <laughs> That's magical. I remember the first day I came to this church? Do you really?
2: Yes, I do. Oh. I still remember it and I still remember what it felt like. And so what was it you remember about
1: that first day?
2: Well, it was a very welcoming place and I felt at home right away. It just felt like home. And my first day here was Rev Karen's first day here, so I really related to her sermon that day and I was going through the exact same thing she was at the same time because she was new. I was new
1: and I'm like, oh my gosh, I found my place.
2: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: so tell us how did you first hear about Jesus and what was your first impression?
2: Well, how did I first hear about Jesus? Like well, th- I would say through my grandmother. Because growing up we weren't in a church, you know, we didn't belong to a church. We went to Lutheran church. Or I went to mass. And then my grandma invited me to go to her church, and she was Methodist. So I started going to church with her. And then when I was in my mid-20s, I was baptized in the church. And then I just, her and I went to church. It was interesting because we went to church together every Sunday, and she would take me when I was younger, and then as she got older, I took her to church. Oh. So, and it was very hard when she died, because... I didn't want to go to church anymore, but I knew for her, I had to, and it was really hard, and I found myself a lot of times crying in church on Sunday, but I'm like,
1: it's okay. Yeah. It is okay. okay. We actually have Kleenexes in every single pew here, because you're not the only one. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So. How did you come to the decision to follow Jesus?
2: Again, I think it was through my grandmother and I love helping people and then in the church that I was in before, I worked in the nursery and I worked with the senior adult daycare and I provided meals and stuff for that because my grandmother at that time was going to that. So that was a service that our church provided for um, seniors that couldn't be home alone during the day. So they had like activities and stuff for them. So I helped with that. And one of the really cool things about working in the nursery, you know, because it was a big church. And there was this one little girl that came in one day, and she was pretty shy. So I started working with her and stuff. And then I was out shopping, and I hear this little girl, my friend. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And she'd come running up to me, hugging me. And I'm like, and I didn't know if her parents knew who I was. So I just kind of stood there for a minute and I'm like, it's okay, we know who you are, <laughs> and she talks about you
1: all the time. And I'm like, wow, you really do make a difference mm-hmm. for people. That's wonderful. Yeah. So you told us about your first day here. Yeah. What, um, What does it mean to you to belong to this church? Well,
2: it's interesting because even though I was involved in the other church that I came from, this church to me feels like home. And one of the really great things for me about this church was being on the leadership team. I think it's really important for everybody to be on leadership because you learn so much about the whole community, about everybody, and the things that happen in the church. And I remember going to annual conference for the first time. That was so amazing. And you break out into groups and stop and you talk with the different churches And some of the churches are bigger, and this is a smaller church. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this church is so alive and does so many things compared to
1: some of the larger churches. It's like, we may be small, but we're very mighty. Yeah. You were on leadership team when I started. Yes. So you were part of my getting to know this church, which was amazing. Yes. So what do you think God is teaching you about discipleship right now? Um, Just to be
2: kind and help people, and I'm always looking for ways to help other people. I really enjoy our small groups, Mm -hmm. because that's really a great way to connect and have somewhere to go if you need help, you have that connection with that small group as well as the whole church. Mm -hmm.
1: Small groups are amazing. Yes. And in a couple weeks, we're going to have sign-ups for those who are not currently in a small group. Well, thank you so much. So we heard about Jesus commissioning us to go and make disciples, to make disciples in the entirety of our lives, everywhere that we go. And a central role of the church is training, training us for this commission we've been given. We call it equipping the saints. And what we're talking about right now is equipping the saints to be good evangelists. And when we talk about the saints, that would be all of us, all of us being equipped. And God modeled how it was done with Cornelius and Peter, with Paul and the Athenians. It starts with spiritual experience, with ours and with those we talk to. And then it's hospitality, welcoming people into your life or joining them and opening yourself up to who they are. And then it's conversation. Conversation is critical, that tell me what happened to you, or this is what happened to me, tell me what happened to you. And it starts with spiritual experience. God never asks us to do more than be honest about our own experience. And sometimes those experiences are around healing. In that altar that the Athenians had to the unknown God, that was a cry for healing during a plague. And we also cry for healing. Some of us have cancer and are in that ongoing treatment and we cry for healing. Some of us have chronic pain and we cry for healing. Some of us, are sick, some of us are burdened with grief, sorrow, despair, and we cry for healing. Some of us feel imprisoned by addictions or compulsions or mental illness, and we cry for healing. And so we're going to have a healing service this morning where everyone will be invited to come forward. And I invite you to notice that spiritual experience. Maybe it's the experience you have this morning, maybe it's later on in reflection. When we started this a couple weeks ago, I challenged you to use the word God in conversation daily so that we talk about God at least as much as atheists do. And then last week I challenged you that in one of those conversations you use the word God with someone quite different than you. And today, I challenge you to share that experience. This experience this morning, spiritual experience of healing, or another spiritual experience to tell what happened to you to another. Following that model. This is what happened to me. Tell me what happened to you. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come together to experience you. Lord, it is so good to learn about you through Scripture, to learn about you in study, but Lord, we need to experience you. And then when we do, Lord, give us the words to share to share that that is beyond words. Give us words to share our experience with others so that they can resonate with the way you have moved in their lives. Lord, we thank you for giving us a salvation that is all about your goodness, not about ours. And we pray this all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crosswaite. CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.